the incomparable. Number 128, February 2013. Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and I'm joined by two members of our book club. The esteemed Dan Morin joins us. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. It's, it's nice to be esteemed. And thank you for sitting in for me on our special live Macworld Expo episode about Aaron Sorkin. I didn't get to say any of my things that I wanted to say about how I thought that he was, uh, you know, kind of losing it in in his last season of The West Wing before they removed him, probably because of the mushrooms. But we're just going to let that go. Bygones be bygones. Yeah, save it for the Aaron Sorkin part two. <laughs> exactly. When John Syracuse will list all of the things that, that he wishes he could have said if he had been in San Francisco, but he doesn't travel. He's a hermit. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, but thank you for for taking over. Sure, my for pleasure me for that. I appreciate that very much. It's nice when we pick a topic and I'm I've got a whole plan, and then I say, Dan, you do it instead. And I say, Sure, sure. <laughs> sucker. Also joining me for this book club is Scott McNulty, of course, because Scott reads every book. Uh, I am contractually obligated to read every book in existence. It's that's the rule. Time enough at last. So, so this book. Um, this book had the, the, we're going to be talking about The Rook by Daniel O'Malley, and double whammy of recommendations. In our uh, year-ending episode that we did for 2012, uh, we talked about things we liked during the year, and one of the books that, that Scott, you singled out, was The Rook. I don't remember that, but I'm glad I did. I, I assure you, you said you said that it was good. And what fascinates me about this is that um, my wife, in trying to find books to buy me for Christmas, ended up buying me two books, one of which we may talk about later in What Are You Reading? Um, and the other one was The Rook. And so when she got it, I was like, oh, The Rook, Scott McNulty recommended The Rook. It's perfect. It's it's a double whammy because she talked to her friends who are librarians like she is, and they they recommended those, those two books, including The Rook. And uh, so we're going to talk about The Rook and... Uh, up front, I want to say, I really liked it. I thought this was a lot of fun. I've been searching for books to read that were going to make me um, make me happy and make me excited and make me really want to pay. I hadn't had a good page turner for a while where I really wanted to get through it as fast as I could. I was really enjoying it. And The Rook fit the bill. The Rook was um, was just, I was smiling the whole way through. And it wasn't what I expected. I had no expectations at all, really, about what it was even going to be about, and I was delighted by it. So that's my short. I, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, I, I got it from Scott's recommendation as well. Good job, Scott. Kudos. Um, and I, so I didn't really know, and I was sort of between books. I had a couple things I was looking at reading. I was like, oh, this sounds kind of like fun after I read the synopsis on Amazon. And I uh, bought it for my Kindle, read it, and found it delightful. Uh, well, I mean, it's one of the few books... There aren't a lot of authors I find who can make me actually laugh out loud. Um, and this book managed to pull that off at multiple occasions, which I was very impressed with, especially from a first-time writer who I had never heard of. Um, yeah. So that was, you know, that was that was kind of kind of fun. It's a good plot, like you said, it's a page turner. There's there's some mystery, there's some supernatural stuff going on. Um, it's got also sort of that whole like British strange, not quite a comedy of manners, but there's, there is an element of this bizarre British, like very Britishness of this whole secret service thing that their organization that, that exists there. Um, and I, you know, it's, it sort of hit all the right spots for me. Yeah. It's funny that this book is, is a, a very British book. It's about a secret organization in the British government called the Sheke. 
or is it the Shakay? But they, it's the, he, it's, it's not, is not the Checky? I call it's it not the, the Checky. I always I call it the Checky. Th- I thought that too. Oh, like in the producers, right? Oh, you got to have your Checky. But it's not. It's the Shakay. It actually says in the book that it's pronounced Shakay because nobody would know Awkward. how to pronounce it otherwise. Um, and what's funny about it is that this is an American-educated Australian who wrote this book. He has no right. connection to England at all, as far as I can tell, except he loves England. And so he's created, like, the MI5 for supernatural affairs, populated by, or at least managed by people with magical um, supernatural powers, although there are also some non-powered people who work at the at the Chiquet. And, uh, and Scott, does this ring a bell? Do you remember now something about this book? <laughs> Uh, I do. I've been trying to remember why. So I did not read this based on my own recommendation. So no. I'm trying to <laughs> You're your recall. own grandfather. <laughs> ah! I'm trying to recall how I even came across it. I think it's just, so I read a bunch of book blogs, so I'm sure it came across there. And I distinctly remember reading the synopsis and thinking, this sounds incredibly stupid. And <laughs> But then it kept showing up in all these different blogs. And then I went to the library and it was sitting there on, like, the new book thing. So I was like, well, I guess... And it had a label on it that said, for Scott. It said, please read me, Scott. And so I said, well, you know, uh, I, I don't have anything better to do. So I read it. And I was delightfully surprised. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Uh, this is certainly not a book that you are... Like, if you're looking for deep literary criticism and, no. you know, thinking about the world and what what is the meaning of existence, you probably should pass on the rook. But if you're looking for... <laughs> A fun read that, you know, you you want to get to the end as quickly as possible because it is good, but you also don't want to get to the end because you're enjoying so good. the characters. And there are no and, more know. books in the series. It's just the one book. Well, yet. It's yet. new. Yet. 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 I know, but you're so used to reading a book and saying, oh, there's, oh, there's 17 books. more of these. <laughs> That's true. And there's no, it, there will be those of this, but it's you've got to get on board right now. Fun read is exactly what you said in our in our year-end episode, by the way. You said, it's a fun read. I'm glad I agree with myself. That's, yes. So, yeah, and he, at least this author, unlike uh, George R. R. Martin, who I am afraid will die before he finishes his uh, series, this author is very young. He seems he's like he's healthy and spry. so <laughs> Vigorous. Hopefully he will have a, a, a large output that we can enjoy for well, the years to come. He's an Australian, too, so he's... He Nothing can kill Australians, if I've no. learned anything. No. They're, they're so powerful that they can do Scott McNulty supercuts. <laughs> they're true. that That's powerful. True. Or that board i don't know which and it, i enjoy the fact that the author uh makes his living working for like the australian <laughs> road it's uh, no it's the equivalent of the uh this is the equivalent of the ntsb basically yeah yeah exactly it's, yeah. Press it's hilarious about, accidents uh, plane crashes yeah. and things which just it delights me yeah and he was educated like ohio state or something he's a yes american educated australian who's a civil servant and in his spare time has written this novel that everybody seems to like, and it's a lot of fun. So yay, good job, good on ya, Daniel O'Malley. Uh, put another shrimp on the bar. <laughs> sure, sure. So we should say so the the main uh, character of the Rook is Miffany, rhymes with Tiffany. They say that even though it's spelled M Y F A N W Y, it's Welsh spelling. She pronounces it Miffany. Miffany Thomas, um, which is a bo- great name. Which is it's which is name. great. And uh, what's what's funny about this book is it's uh, we we uh, open the story with her uh, waking up, 
having no memory. She's an amnesiac. They basically her entire mind has been wiped. So she's got skills and language and knowledge of of like how to behave as a person, but she has no no memory of her previous life. She's essentially a new person waking up in the body of somebody else. In, in psychology terms, she has no episodic memory, so nothing that's like ever happened to her, but she has all her procedural memory, which means it's not like she has to learn how to you know walk again. So, Thanks for the psychology there, Dan. That's hey, I, that's, uh, that was some AP psychology from high school. Good job. Fancy. And, and also she wakes up not having these not having her episodic memory eh? or oh, but she also wakes up surrounded by uh corpses dead people and and they're wearing latex gloves which you know must be surprising in the rain good, that's a i got to say as far as openings go you know despite the idea of amnesia kind of being you know an overused cliche it's really effective in this book because i think particularly yeah. because we're in the person's head and so we're trying to figure out along with her exactly what's going on here and I really enjoy the fact that as the book progresses, she's we, we sort of learn, you know, get acquainted with the character of Miffany as she has to adapt to all these circumstances that right. keep getting thrown her way. And she does so most times with aplomb or manage to at least make it look like she knows what she's doing. Um, and, and so it, it is kind of an interesting take on the old, you know, amnesiac trope. I think they, she does, or, uh, O'Malley does a really good job with it. It's also interesting so that he uses this plot device where Mithany uh, knows ahead of time that something's going to happen to her. And so we find out through the course of the book that Mithany, before her, her episodic memory was wiped, uh, was very good at organizing things and very regimented. And she had a plan for everything. Uh, and so she, you know, uh, logically planned for what would happen if her memory was wiped and left herself a series of notes uh, so that she could... Uh, guide herself through her own life, uh, which leads us to two very different characters that are, in fact, the same character. We have kind of past Mithany and then the current Mithany, who has a very different personality than the older one that's writing to herself. Yeah, and I liked that um, the uh, the character that we meet, the new Mithany, is, is not the old one, and that is never, it's never suggested that she's going to find a way to bring the old one back. That the old one is gone. That they that they they set it up um, very early on. This is a new person waking up in in this body with these eyes. The old person is gone, and the old person has communicated with letters, um, detailing because she got this prophecy that she was going to lose her memory. But uh, at several points, the new person behaves quite differently than the old person. Is much bolder. Is 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 actually kind of freed from a lot of the baggage that the old person had that was holding her back. That the old the, the old Mithany, um, her power is basically be able to tie into other people's central nervous systems and control what they do. And the old one was very limited in what she would do with it, and, and so was sort of a. Uh, the the people with powers are in the in the sheke are are, are given uh, the power positions, but she was reluctant to use her powers. So even though she technically had them, she wasn't expected to use them. And what what we learn is this new person who is the new Miffany has none of these hangups, and so they all uster, they all underestimate her. And that's delightful, but I never felt like I was going to get the rug pulled out from under me and she was going to recover her memories or anything like that. D despite what you get to learn of the old Miffany, and she is quite resourceful. So we learn that she is, you know, like an expert bureaucrat, yes. basically. Like she keeps everything running on yes, time. Yes, bureaucracy is one of her superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's 
you know, despite that, and despite the fact that I think you sort of get maybe not exactly fond of the old version, the new one is actually just so, so much of a better character, right? Like the old one is, kind of, she's kind of boring, right? She's very mousy. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, she's she very, couldn't... she's very non-confrontational. She's, she's always really, like doing as she told. Really crippled from her childhood, where she's taken in this society, the people with powers are basically ripped away from their family and put in this kind of awful home where they learn how to how to use their powers. And she's the old Miffany was basically crippled by that. That it was just such an emotional. Uh, emotionally destructive act, and she never recovered. And the new Miffany has no baggage. Right, and she never actually learned how to master her powers to the full extent that she could have. Right. So she always kind of self-limited herself by uh, second-guessing herself and thinking she shouldn't use her powers, so she never... She avoided using her powers at all, which then led her to become kind of a, a desk jockey, if you will, at this supernatural MI5. Yes. The Sheke. The Sheke. Which is yes, yeah, supernatural MI five. Yeah, so that's a great because you're right, Dan. The um, the amnesiac uh, main character could have been a really kind of eye rolling trope, and yet for whatever reason, I never really felt that it was because I I always felt from the beginning I was wary that there was going to be a twist where her memory was actually in somebody else, and this was all part of a plot. Oh yeah, yeah. I I thought the same thing. I was keeping my eyes open for that, but it was very clear from the beginning that that um, this was a new character and and she was going to learn about her world just as we did, which was really a great way into it. And the fact that she's continually underestimated because they think she's the old Miffany and she's not, that's a, that's a great bit. And so you get on her side really quickly because she's like us. She doesn't know what's going on. And yet she doesn't have any of these old, these hangups of her predecessor. And I never felt like... You know, I was I was wary for the plot twist, but it doesn't come. It's not a ripoff. It, it's not a the 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 uh, you know the amnesia doesn't get cured magically. It's, right. It will, and they do a good job. They do a good job with the overall plot, the sort of the hooks of the plot and the uh, and the twists and turns of the plot. In that, they don't try to outsmart you. I think there's a lot of this is kind of a thriller in in some ways. Sure. Um, and in a lot of thrillers, I think they. They try so hard to do something that you won't see coming that they double back on themselves and just make it like not make any sense. I'm thinking particularly of um, the the end of the British version of State of Play, which just goes like five episodes setting up this like, oh, yeah, we think it's this this person is behind everything. And then in the last episode, they sort of pull the entire rug out from under you like, <laughs> oh, you never saw this coming. And you're like, yes, because that makes no sense. <laughs> Um, and so in that in that way, like I think I I thought this might be trying to pull something off like that later on. In that you get this sort of conspiracy that she's investigating, and she knows that someone inside her own organization is trying to kill her. And so of course I'm thinking, trying to like think three thoughts ahead and and figure out if it's well, what if what if past her is actually just set up future her to take the fall, right? Uh, and I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of dissatisfying. Like, <laughs> but it, but in the end, it plays fair. Right, exactly, and it's it's not like, oh, that totally that totally came out of left field, right? Like the the villain doesn't totally come out of left field. You're not like super surprised by it, but at the same time, you know, but it makes sense. And I think that's that's the larger virtue here is a plot that logically hangs together better rather than something where it's like we're gonna do something totally crazy just so we can catch you by surprise. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's it plays fair. And it's got these really nicely drawn characters where you you meet. I kept thinking it was it was a little bit less X Men and a little more Hellfire Club, where it's you know you're meeting these 
in these in these rooms with dark wood and lots of you know uh, uh, personal assistance and it's very a very wealthy upper echelon of the of the british government um but you meet these characters who are the the top tier of super powered you know defenders of england from super powered attacks and 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 they all have these weird different powers that are interesting i think the most interesting of all of them is um oh gestalt yeah, which, oh yes. which what a is, fascinating character. Which is three uh, siblings. Four, four, no, four, four, four siblings. Yeah. Four is it? Four siblings? Because two of them are twins. There's two twins, yeah. and then there's a girl and another guy. Yeah, yeah, right. That's four, four siblings that have the same consciousness. They're one individual. They they have four bodies, and but they've also got the bandwidth, the brain power, the processing cores of four brains, and they're one consciousness, and that leads. That leads to lots, and if you think, well, that's kind of cool, but you know, what about this? And but what about this? There are so many aspects of that that you think um, you want start to wonder if the if the book's going to get into the details of what what that means. And the answer is yes, the book actually does. There are there are plot twists re- re- revolving around Gestalt and how Gestalt works and how they use the different bodies. That is, I was fulfilled. I was like, ah, yes. I, I literally laughed out loud at one point. There's a scene that reveals a trick that Gestalt is performing by having these multiple bodies that made me laugh out loud. And I, I ex- kind of expected it to happen, but when it happened, it was, uh, you know, it was hilarious to see. So, so they're not, these powers are not unexplored. Um, and you know, and there are, there's a vampire character who is very funny because he's got, you know, he's, he's, he, he, they, she runs into him at a, at a dance at a club yeah. <laughs> accidentally. And, and, you know, he's there to have a good time too, but he's this, you know, ages old vampire and, and all these other characters. And there's a, there's a American equivalent of the Shike who comes and, and we meet some of those characters, and one in particular who becomes a friend of Miffany's. And so I really like the world too. That we were we were meeting these, like with comic book superheroes or something, we're meeting these people and they're learning their powers. And that it, the ones who were the most interesting were the ones where we did actually explore their powers some, which um, which I really liked. Like I felt that this world was incredibly rich. That you know every new powered character that comes along, you're like, oh, tell me what this person can do. Well, right. Because- well, and the, the powers are so unusual right like they're not just your standard run-of-the-mill like this he's really strong con- yeah this person can control fire you know like they do these bizarre things and some things that don't even seem like they'd be that useful right like there's the guy who can contort himself into like virtually any shape you know which seems handy for some things but like a lot of the time just is spent like grossing people out because he's like they come in and he's like got his legs wrapped around his head or something crazy um you know and and there's things like that where you can clearly see i think there's a couple other examples they give it a few points where there's characters who just seem to have powers that are not really useful um and it's interesting to put that in there because they're they are kind of very diverse in terms of what what these powers ideas can be. And then sometimes there's a lot of throwaway characters that will get mentioned. There was, Oh, there's some line about like how when she's at school, she never drank at all. Miffany, we get, and, but like there is that one kid who you could like, if you let him lick your eyeballs or something, yeah, you yeah, get yeah, high. Right. <laughs> it's just like, what a weird idea to come up with. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of humor uh, in this, in this book there. There's a one. So one of the characters is a vampire and you think that it's going to be, Oh, all right. Um, the vampire is gonna is gonna you know he he obviously they found him and they made him part of the of the of the group <laughs> and that's not true he like was part of this horrible um uh 
uh, they emerge from nowhere and they kill all these people and and it's not at all um, what you expect. And in fact, I, I this is one of the things I highlighted in the book is is after they after he kills over thirty three days, they kill seventy two people who work for the Chiquet. and then they they appear to the the people who run it and say. Um, Actually, while we've been killing all your people, we've learned about your organization and we find it interesting. Would you like to have our young vampires work for you for a while? <laughs> and you're like, okay. And the line in the book is, are you startled by this abrupt tra- change in direction? <laughs> it's like, what? What is happening? Because it's just, uh, you know, so were the Lord and Lady. They were, it's, you know, there's this whole bloody story and it's not what you expect and it's funny. And there's a lot of that, that, that these left turns that, that happen. Uh, that I really like the sense of humor of it. I found myself amused incredibly by the scene where she gets dragged out of the club to be interrogated by the one of the villains who is like this, like basically lives in like a tank and is sort of like, you know, in part regrowing himself into right. a new body. Right, and, and she she's brought into a, a limo that's got a floating tank of this partially grown guy in it, right? But, and he keeps like yelling at her and sloshing stuff on her. And she's like, <laughs> this is really gross, you know, and I don't know. And he's all insistent and indignant that she doesn't know who he is because she has no idea who he is. Right. She has amnesia and even then she didn't really know what was going on. Um, and there's, there's all sorts of nice touches like that, where it's, you get these characters into situations where even they should seem really ponderous and over the top, but at the same time, they, they have this very down to earth sort of casual nature of conversation that makes it seem very real Right. where, yeah, okay. If I was confronted with a giant, with a person in a vat who's slowly regrowing themselves, this is probably how I'd react. Lots of, lots of funny asides too, that, um, like uh, there's a Brigadoon reference. I don't know if you caught that. The yes, the rooks yes. who led the four prongs assault on oh, Brigadoon yeah. and burned every structure and put its citizens to death, and all remaining survivors perished in captivity. <laughs> it's like, well, wow, they destroyed Brigadoon. That's why we didn't see it again. I guess the the legendary town. <laughs> and there's a lot of that. It's like in English history. Oh, this fable! It turns out it's true and horribly true in a in a really <laughs> awful way because the Shakay is there to take care. I mean, they're like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, right? They're the X Files. They're the one Torchwood. Who, yeah, they're tor- or Torchwood. Torchwood versus you know Torchwood meets the X Men is actually a really great way to describe this book. Um, lots of lots of fun, I and mean, we haven't really spoiled anything yet. But I mean, it, it's it's a it you know I think. I think it's really great. Good characters, lots of fun, um, a really good read, uh, and never. I, I never really got a sense of where, uh, you know. So, so you read so many books that you you write, Scott. You read so many books. I I read too many books. That that um, it's really kind of delightful when you read something and you think I have no idea where this is going. That it's just this is crazy and interesting and and creative and i'm just gonna take the ride because i i don't you know you're you're making me laugh you're surprising me and i'm happy to be on that on that journey and with the rook i i I felt like like i just i didn't know where it was going and i was surprised the whole way through and i like the rook i mean i read there are lots of books that i've read that are written just to be crazy so they have no real cohesive plot and they just are kind of uh an exercise in language which is fun uh but it, the good thing about the roof is that it is crazy and funny. You don't know where it's going, but it actually has a plot and it does go somewhere, which is satisfying because, uh, you know, after reading kind of a, a, an experimental literature book, 
the payoff generally isn't all that great um, for you know for the narrative. But in, in this book, at least you know you have a story. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's enjoyable the entire way through. Right. We should say it's not one of those ripoffs where you get to the end and you need to read another book, either. To be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just the, the I've got I'm looking at my Kindle highlights here and just the, the the casual kind of humor that happens throughout. There's a there's an incident where they go to investigate a house that seems to be destroy, like doing terrible <laughs> things and this is what I highlighted. After a flickering of the violet lights and many subsequent screams, a torrent of viscous meaty fluid streamed out one of the windows. The fluid was currently being analyzed to see if it contained any of the personnel <laughs> because this house has eaten people. And that and, and it's just it's 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 got that really light light I would say English humor touch except he's Australian, but um, just really just funny and clever and yeah, I mean again, it it, it, it Sometimes you just want to read books like this, right? Where it's just you can you can you can just lean back and say, "Look, this is going to be fun." It's pushing all the right buttons of something like a like a, a superhero story or a, or an X Files kind of story, a supernatural thriller with humor and some surprises. And boy, you know there aren't enough of those. I think now so I wish I'd bookmark something because there is a really long passage. Was it? There's like two pages where she goes on about, or uh, where, where when the writer goes on about the like whole catalog of supernatural creatures that they're responsible for dealing with in this particular town or something. Oh, yeah, I remember it's that. Just, like, it's like a three-page catalog comment list where it's just like every supernatural creature, folktale creature, and some random other things and some very mundane normal things all stra- like in this one huge list. And it keeps going. That's what like I'm flipping through on the Kindle pages. And I'm like, oh, wow, he's really he's really going with this. Yeah, the, that it was just I'm seeing seeing if I can find that. That I remember that very much. That that it was it was literally a like a page long list of every monster possible, so that you uh, so that you could you could get the sense that the Shake is is out for they they've been around. They they've been around for hundreds of years, right? Right. And then we have the whole uh, issue. So we have their antagonists too. The 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 Belgians, the Bel- yes, evil the Belgians. Belgians, the grafters, yes, as they're called, the grafters. And again, I I kept waiting for a fake out. No, the the Americans are in league with it. No, yeah, right. They plays it straight. The grafters are bad. The grafters are a historically evil figure that the Chique hasn't worried about for a hundred years. And they're back, and they are back. It's not a fake out, you know. It's not again without getting into deep spoilers for the book. It's not a fake out. It plays fair. The grafters, they say they're bad. They're bad. Nobody expects a Belgian Inquisition. <laughs> and it's and it's they're Belgians, and they like to change people's bodies and do weird stuff to the to the bodies. And and now I'm gonna. I think I think maybe I'll fire off the spoiler horn here. <laughs> So I, one of the uh, the great things about this, um, at the end, we discover <laughs> throughout the book, there's this whole little thread that keeps coming back, which is that, you know, the, the, the Belgian, the angry Belgian with the floating, floating in the tank is like, where have you put him? I want my guy back. And, and she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, he sent you a package. I have no idea what you're talking about. And it turns out that before she lost her memory, there was a human heart that was sent to her in a package and she basically opened it and went ooh and sent it down to the lab and right by right at the end like like 90% plus through the book for Kindle 
listeners out there, Kindle readers, a, a naked guy is in her office. And this is the thing that made me laugh out loud. He says, I'm sorry. I don't think I've explained well enough. I have grown myself from the heart in your scientist laboratory freezer. So this guy, in order to get out of the grafters, in order to come and talk to the chicke, has has literally like taken his heart and mail and like FedExed it <laughs> to England, knowing that they'll just put it on ice somewhere and he'll grow out of his heart. It's crazy and funny. And I love that. I love that the Belgians are... Um, you know, are cutting out their hearts. Belgians. And, and it's the Belgians. <laughs> it's a traditional Belgian. They're, that's what they do. They cut their heart out and then grow out of it. It's like being invaded by Liechtenstein. <laughs> Nobody sees it coming. Better chocolate. With yes. Chocolate. Yeah. And then, and then, um, I guess the other thing that, that I'll say now that I filed out the spoiler horn that made me laugh out loud is, um, is when it's the reveal that there's an extra gestalt. Which I kept thinking, I kept thinking it's possible, you know, they've got four gestalt bodies, there, there could easily be another one, because they're like, they, they capture two of them, and they've got them in, in chains, and she touches one of the gestalts, and, and, and suddenly can see out of not just one, but all of their, their, their neural networks, their, 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 all their senses, and, and there's a, it's great, because it's like, this person's in chains and this person's on the run and this person's in chains and this person's on the run. And there's this other person looking at somebody like, what, what, what? there's a fifth. It's so great. Also, it's so, it's also really, really creepy. It's <laughs> like, it is super creepy. Really creepy. When you find out who the fifth person is, um, it's so great. It's just a fun. And I, I, I laughed out loud. I laughed out loud for minutes. I had to explain to my family why I was laughing out loud because it was so clever and perfect, right? It wasn't. It didn't feel like a ripoff. And I, I, again, I keep saying that this is a book that could so easily have have taken these like ridiculous kind of twist twists for no reason other than to be a twist. And instead, it plays fair throughout and and earns it. Yeah, I also liked, like you said, the 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 fake out the Americans, right? That didn't end up being a fake out. I think that's nice. Right. What's tricky about the amnesia thing, especially in a case where she thinks like. You know, she's paranoid that everybody's out to get her because someone clearly was out to get her and affected, you know, to a certain extent got her um, was, well, who do you trust? Right. How do you have this character have meaningful relationships with people when anybody could be betraying her? Um, and I think he does a, you know, he sort of handles that fairly well, which is, you know, at a certain point she realizes if I don't trust anybody, I'm not going to get anything done. So I have to, you know, just sort of make a judgment at some point as to whether or not. I'm going to trust certain people. Um, and, and there are some nice secondary characters that come in. I absolutely loved her assistant, Ingrid. Right. Because she's an, a, sort of a minor character who I kind of pictured looking like uh, like Leo's secretary, Margaret, Margaret from the <laughs> West Wing. But like who is utterly unflappable and then unflappable. is sort of... That's right, it. and then But then becomes sort of her confidant and mm-hmm. also you know knows pretty early realizes pretty early on that it's not actually her but right. sort of rolls with it um and just to see what's going to happen <laughs> um and so i liked their relationship a lot and it was nice to have a you know something where it, you know she needs to have the ability to talk to other characters without being guarded and completely like well what are they, are they trying to get information out of me do i need to be trying to get information out of them so we get that nice rapport with her and her assistant we get the nice one with her and the american uh bishop right um right so the two of them you know who end up making kind of a kick-ass team um i, I really enjoyed their relationship um the one note that i thought struck kind of weird um 
but I think looking back was probably one of those things where it's like, this is great. I wonder how we can spin it into more books. Was that they have her? They have her sister come in, right? Like right. she doesn't know her family. She's you know, not only just because she's amnesiac, but because she was taken from her family from a, at a very young age and raised by the Shakay. Um, and so we have her sister pop up out of nowhere. And of course, your initial thought is, "Well, this has got to be like it's a, a trap. trap, right?" Yes, clearly. <laughs> but in fact, it ends up being her sister, and yeah. they start like, "Oh, I'm going to reconnect with my sister, and I'm going to learn a lot about." You know, like, all the family that I left behind and everything. And it felt kind of weird at the moment it came up, especially because doesn't it come up, like, like, like half a chapter after she's like, oh, it turns out I have a family or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, so that was the one, that was the, the only misstep I really got annoyed with in the book was like, well, it seems a bit, it seems a bit convenient um, for that plot point to come in there. And also that plot point, well, it does intertwine a little bit, like, towards the end of the book is... To a certain extent, superfluous, but it, it comes in to color out her character a little bit. So I think I think one of the biggest potential flaws of this book is that um, throughout the book we alternate between the action and the letters that the original Miffany has written to her successor. And at the beginning, you sort of read them and you realize you're reading them as she's reading them. Right? She writes her letter in her in her it's in her jacket pocket that says you should go to the bank, and she goes to the bank and. People try to kill her, and she stops them, and then she opens up the safe deposit box and gets another letter. And she goes back to her flat, and there are, there are more letters there and more more documentation. And that's fine, but what happens as you go is she and, – and, and the, the writer doesn't deal with this, and actually I think in the end that's why it works, is I kept thinking – you know, you're not seriously saying that she's reading these letters in the intervening time because that would be kind of ridiculous. Presumably she read all the letters at the beginning. And I think that's what happens is that is that we're seeing the rest of the material that she left as the story goes on sort of when it's relevant. Right. Because because that could have been a real I, I, I was I was worried again that this was gonna be kind of a ripoff where we were gonna see the plot twist in a letter. And that was going to be the moment where she realized that the letter was trying to tell her something. When in reality, if you were in this situation, as we all are at some point, when you're an amnesiac with superpowers who's put into a secret organization in England, it happens. Or as I call it, Thursday. Yeah. You'd read all the documentation, right? You'd read all the letters immediately. And I, I assume that she did that, and then it just sort of plays out over time. Because there are a couple places where there's like a secret that's revealed that she discovers that there's this this conspiracy happening, and there's this other school where they're training superpowered kids. And I kept thinking, you know, d you really ought not to make this that the suit that that this is a revelation. And they didn't. I mean, actually, again, an example where he plays fair. It it, it I was worried that the letters aspect of this was going to become kind of a ripoff where we were where uh, facts were withheld from us and the way Miffany behaves she knows about what the letters say even though we don't and so in the end it it, it ends up playing fair uh, I think even there because that was that was where I was really worried it was going to go off the rails is that the letters were going to be withholding information not just from us but from the main character right. and that didn't happen only read this letter after you read letter 53. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Choose your own letter adventure. Yes, read it only when your book goes to 85%. Then open the letter. And only then. Dan, I found that, set, that passage that you like, by the way. 
According to according to Thomas, the city had once been this is Bath once been a veritable hotbed of manifestations with every sorcerer, bunyip, golem, goblin, pict, pixie, demon, thylacine, gorgon, moron, cult, scum, mummy, rummy, groke, sphinx, minx, muse, flagellant, diva, reaver, weaver, reaper, scabbarder, scab meddler, dwarf, midget, little person, leprechaun, marsh wiggle, totem, soothsayer, truthsayer, hatter, hattie fattener, imp, panweer, mothman, shaman, Flukeman, Warlock, Morlock, Poltergeist, Zeitgeist, Elemental, Banshee, Manshee, Lycanthrope, Lycanthrope, L-I-C-H-E-N, haha, it's a pun, Sprite, White, Offwaiter, Harpy, Silky, Kelpie, Klepto, Spectre, Mutant, Cyborg, Balrog, Troll, Ogre, Cat in Shoes, Dog in a Hat, Psychic, <laughs> and Psychotic, seemingly having decided that this was the hot spot to visit. That, I, I just, I love the idea that, you know, he someday got to sit down and just go, I'm just going to free associate with every word I can think of that, that fits under this category. So a, lycan, a lycanthrope, the, the moon comes out and you turn into something. A lycanthrope, you hike, hike on a mountain and you see some lichen and then you turn into a something. Into, into moss? You into, into moss. moss. A moss. Where moss? Una moss. Yeah. Anyway, so so presumably there's going to be a sequel. I think that the author talked at some point that there's going to be a sequel. This, this does have the sense of a series to it, but it's a new series. So if you want to get on board now... You know, uh, you know, we all we all liked it. It's it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. If you like a, it's kind of a, you know, I guess it's fantasy. It's fantasy in the way that superheroes are fantasy. It's the supernatural superhero kind of thing. I mean, it falls more a little bit under the trope of what we call now urban fantasy, sort of. But it's also it does veer more into the, yeah, it's not quite superhero, but it's close, it's right? Close. It's got that it's got that supernatural yeah element I mean, to it it just has a little touch like you you know torchwood meets the x-men is what kind of i felt because the x-men has that whole you know they find the people with powers and they put them in the academy and they learn right. how to use their powers and it's and then they put them in service to this organization it's a little uh, yeah a little bit harry potter like when you put it like that a little bit <laughs> except all grown up yeah, it reminded me of another one of the series I think I recommended on an earlier podcast, the Felix Caster series by Mike Carey, which is also set in London and is also sort of a supernatural fantasy, though that one is a little more like a, it's more of a noir where it's there's a character who's a freelance exorcist and it's it doesn't have the big organization behind yeah. it and everything. Well, there, there's a, another series that I have read by uh, Simon R. Green, who is one of uh, the authors that I read, even though he is not a good writer. Uh, huh. And... Well, that's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> he he is very good at writing uh, really fun stories, but his his writing does not live up to his imagination. Uh, it, it is the Secret Histories series. Uh, it follows this character called Eddie Drood, who is a member of a family called the Droods, who have this magical torque that makes uh, that they can make armor come uh, all over them, and they are basically invincible, and they are Earth's. Uh, protectors against all supernatural things yeah so this was this was this was great i'm glad you recommended it scott i think dan's glad you recommended it too yes i do i i give it a wholehearted thumbs up all right get it a heart that grows a thumb that's up (laughs) that's right cut off your thumb mail it to somebody mail it it to me (laughs) don't mail it to anybody don't mail body parts this is i've learned this Scott will put it in the freezer. His wife will put it in a in a in, jar. In a jar, it's true. <laughs> and then your body clone will grow from it. It's true. In a little jar. Amazing. Creepy. That's how it works here in Magic Land in Sheke Land. Well, I'm glad that you uh, both enjoyed it. 
Yeah, yeah now absolutely. Don't let us down with your next recommendation is all I'm saying. Jeez, God. You're on thin ice here. The pressure is on. Yeah. No, wait. The pressure should be off because you just successfully uh, recommended a thing. Well, I have to live up to that recommendation. I guess. <laughs> or not. Poor, poor Scott. <laughs> I, so I think it's time for me to ask that other famous question that I like to ask in a book club, which is what Doctor are you reading? Doctor Who. Oh, wait, not no, that that's a different question entirely. <laughs> Doctor Who. No. <laughs> What are you reading? Reading. Scott, what are you what what books have you Scott's read? Scott's reading like seven books right now, right? I just uh, I am only reading one book right now. Um Or what have you read recently, I suppose, that you uh, would like to talk about and recommend if you what, wanna what? be all specific about it. I know, Scott, that you just wrote a blog post about your the best book you read in January. It's true. And it's so a book I, that I just read too, so it's also I what I am reading. I was going to suggest perhaps uh, it could be a future episode because I know uh, Lex Friedman sometimes... read it exactly. Lex Lex has read it, so I guess we shouldn't talk about Peter Heller's the dark the dog stars other than to recommend that people read it. I exactly. liked it. I liked it as well. I didn't like I... it as much as the Rook. Oh, and 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 your your blog post about it I thought was telling too because it is a post apocalyptic story and it reminded me a little bit of the Road. And it's it like did. the sunny light version of the road, and it's true. and it, it it sort of pales in comparison. It's unfair in some ways to compare it to the road, but um, but it is as a post apocalyptic story with a little bit more kind of humanity and slight optimism about what would happen in an apocalypse yes. than the road, which is everybody will die and that will be the end. But unfortunately for for uh, the dog stars, the road is just spectacular, even though it is completely depressing. Yes. Uh, Whereas the dog star is kind of depressing, but it's not like soul crushingly depressing. There's a little hope, uh, but it's also not as well written. So when you compare it to the road, it just kind of falls flat. But uh, if you don't compare it to the road, it's pretty good. Yeah, I agree. It's not. It's it's if that that was the road, this is like the runway, <laughs> the sidewalk. Because no, it's the runway. Because he's a private. He's a pilot. He has a little airplane. Yeah. Okay. He flies around. Yeah, doing stuff. Yeah, and it starts out very much more like the road that it's sort of sad and depressing, and then he has yeah. a little journey and learns things and grows Does. as a person. And yes, and other people grow. Yeah, while also shooting people who get too close oh, to well, him. That's that sounds pretty you know, good. It is a post-apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else have I read. Uh, I read a bunch of books in January. I read uh, A Leaf, The Unseen, which was uh, a good book. Probably the second best book I read that month. Um, I've read... What else have I read? I I read... So here's another kind of books, series of books that aren't really well written, but they're fun. Uh, The Iron Druid series, which is another urban fantasy. It follows the last druid uh, who lives in Tempe, Arizona. And he does all kinds of wacky stuff and uh, is uh, goes around killing gods and making trouble. And uh, th- hijinks ensue. Why you got to be that way, Druid? I know. So I read a couple of those books. Uh, and this month I read uh, Peter F. Hamilton's latest 950-page uh, book, uh, The Great North Road, which starts off with a murder mystery and ends up really kind of not well you kind of expect what's going to happen but it's very complicated and if if you've read any of peter f hamilton's books he use he has like 200 characters and they're all kind of important and he's obsessed with portals that go to different planets 
So there are like five different planets that are, inv are involved, and there's this really weird alien species and this organization that's huh. been designed to protect Earth against the species. It's it's uh, very complicated, but uh, good. All right, Dan, what are you reading? Uh, well, I've fin I haven't finished nearly as much as Scott has because no one has. I know. I, I need to read double. You know what? I used to read really fast, and I think my problem, as I probably said before, is I just don't feel like I have as much time to read. So I need to. I need to make more time to read. Is what I need to do this year. Or read faster. Uh, or read faster. Mm. Uh, maybe I should read diagonally. Um, uh, good idea. So yeah, I finished earlier in January. I finished uh, the Wind Through the Keyhole, which is the new Stephen King Dark Tower book, which I liked. I thought it was pretty good. Um, maybe not my favorite of all the Dark Tower books, but. I put it squarely in the middle. It's got some. It's also a story inside a story inside a story, um, which he I think he likes to do now. Um, and so there's you know a couple different layers. And sort of at the heart, the the nub of the story in the middle is a fairy tale, which is actually kind of cool because uh, it's set in this universe. Um, so I like that a lot, and I, I I do like the Dark Tower as a series overall. It's one of my favorite series of books, and someday we'll have a incomparable discussing it because I know someday John Cusar really likes it. Um, in addition to that, I read The Rook, which maybe you guys have heard of. Interesting. Um, it was pretty good. Vaguely. No, uh, I am currently reading two things. One is, I think, Jason, you might be reading this too, but I'm reading The Human Division by yes. John Scalzi. Yes. Which is episodic version. He's episodically releasing parts of his book set in the Old Man's War universe. You're calling every, everything episodic tonight. <laughs> it's all episodic. Everything's, this episode everything's coming up episodic. brought to you by episodic. It's the word of the day. Yeah, but it's weekly installments for 99 cents, and there are like 15 of them or 14 of them. And it's a, it's essentially he just took a sci-fi novel, and every chapter has gotten carved up into these 99 right. cent bits. So you can only read it at the pace of one a week, which is kind of fun. Right. And they're also – they stand alone, but they also – there's an arc, right? It's like a TV yeah. show, right? Like you're reading an episode a week. And there's yeah. an arc going on in the background where there's there's something larger going on here. But each episode is more or less self-contained. Yeah, I don't know. It, it feels to me like it's just a novel that's been cut up really? into pieces. It doesn't, well, because no, because if know. it was like a TV show, we would have the adventures of the crew of that one ship and that that one team every week, it, along with some other bits. And it's not like that. There, well, like it two, jumps around. There two, are a couple. Two of the four installments have not featured them at all. Well, so. unless yeah, did you did you read the, also the the sort of episode zero? I don't know if you read that. There's a, there's an episode, oh, yeah, zero, yeah, 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 which also does with the characters, which also deals with sure. the characters from the, the Clark. So there's kind of interludes, basically. It seems like where every other episode roughly deals with our main characters, and then the other ones are yeah. things that are tangential to the plot. Yeah, but that makes me think that you wouldn't do that on a TV show. So it feels it feels a little more like it's just a novel cut into bits. But it's it's a fun experiment, and the cost of what they're going to charge for the full ebook at the end is no more than the cost of reading a new installment every two. Tuesday, and it's kind of a fun. It's not like the Green Mile. It's but it's like that. And there's you can you can knock them off in you know less than an hour because they're not that long. No, they're yeah they're short, but they're fun. Um, right, and they're fun, and and I like that universe. I really enjoyed and set in the the old man's war universe, which is right. a great universe. And so I've been I've been enjoying that. Although I think I'm behind one or two. Um, and I've also been reading the sequel to a book that I know Scott has also read. Um, which is I'm reading Mike Cole's Fortress Frontier, which is the sequel to his book Control Point, which I know we both uh, read and I think recommended uh, last year. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm enjoying that. And then it is an interesting departure. I haven't entirely finished it. I think I'm like 80, 90% done though. Um, it's an interesting departure in that it um, 
so far there's a it deals with a separate main character from the first book the the protagonist from the first book appears in some of the earlier chapters but his story is again sort of intertwined with this new character um which i'm i'm enjoying i it delves more into this parallel world um called the source which is basically this where all the you know there's strange magical creatures and stuff but it follows the adventures of the american army and it's you know division of wizards basically who are in stuck in this in this plane um and i he's a, you know he's a um what makes it what makes it interesting to read is that this is all you know all, all the characters are on you know in the military and he is a coast guard reservist so he clearly knows what he is talking about um and so i think that the verisimilitude aspect comes off really well and i think he's a he's a pretty good writer i really enjoy his stuff it's it's fun it's kind of it's pretty light um but it's it's more in the page turner realm than in the you know heavy literature realm but i i give it a thumbs up so far i will have to see how the last you know 10 15 percent of it goes I seem to recall that Dan on Twitter taunted me and said that he would finish this book before I did, and in fact, I am done with it. So I failed. Burn. You have, you have failed. I failed. Also, I found the uh, this the, the new character in the second book much more interesting than the main character of the last book. So, huh. that that's fair. A little more compelling. I, they, he has a little bit more of an arc going on in that the first book is set up more like this guy is a fugitive essentially um, through reasons that are kind of confusing. Um, but the second, this one deals with a guy who is basically, and not un, not dissimilar to the Rook, is a bureaucrat who is forced to do some decidedly non-bureaucratic things. Huh. And he rises to the occasion. Or does he? Jason, what are you reading? I, well, so I read The Dog Stars, which we just talked about, but aren't going to talk about further because we might talk about it later. I also am reading The Human Division by John Scalzi, which we are in the middle of and we talked about already. So uh, I'm going to make people who like certain series sad. Um, I read I read Stormfront, which is the Harry Dresden first Harry Dresden book. I know there are a lot of fans of Harry Dresden novels out there. I found it kind of mediocre. Oh, boy. There, I know there were parts of it. It was not a bad kind of story, but the writing, the actual writing, was kind of lame. And I don't know. It it didn't. I I haven't bought a second one. I guess that's you know. Well, you have know. to read the good one though. I'm sure Harry Dresden fans will say yes. The fourth one is really good. I haven't read any of them, but I know that Jason Tachi, who occasionally appears on this podcast, yes. um, had basically had that same reaction. Where he was like, yeah, I read the first one. And, you know, I, I like wizards and stuff, so I thought it might be kind of cool. And then I just like couldn't stop reading them because he had, like I've got like an hour long, hour and a half commute, yeah. and I just need something to read. And he's like, they they improve as it, they go along, okay, certainly, fair but enough. but it may not. Again, I don't know. It's one of those things where you know, yeah. How much time do you think in a series? But I guess if you go through books like Scott does, then you can afford to read the entire. Yeah, series. it was it was kind of it was kind of fun. Yes, and in the chat room they're saying, oh, the series improved a lot. Read uh, read see, the later books, I knew it. and they're better. I knew it. Um, I also read the uh, I want to say third. Uh, thursday next book which is the well of lost plots uh, by jasper ford and i got about 150 like pages into that and i said i give up wow yeah wow i don't remember what happens in that one but, well what happens yeah, I mean, in that one nothing <laughs> what happens in that one is she's pregnant and so she's hanging out in an unpublished novel for a long time well you know that happens it does well, yes. yeah, Scott and I are going to have to, I, I don't know. I've read all those books. I know Scott has too. I've I read, read Lost in a Good too, so. Book, and I, I, I'm i wondering if maybe the deal with Jasper Ford is that it just takes me some time to get into them, because Lost in a Good Book, the, I felt like the first 150, 200 pages were a slog, and then the last half of the book, 
um, was great. And I, I read it through and I thought it was fine. And I thought, let's go to the next one. And then the next one, I'm back in the slog again. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying Jasper Ford. I might get it back. That was a library book, so I can just get it back. I felt like the library deserved to have it back because I was feeling <sighs> I was feeling bad about it, but maybe I'll get it back. Yeah, I've never had that experience. I, it's always been super quick reads for me. Yeah, for him, interesting. I can understand how people could not like Jasper. Yeah, I, I think he is very. He's got a very distinct style and a very distinct yeah. tone. Um, I mean, he reminds me of of Pratchett and Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams a bit in his yeah. humor. But I can understand that those aren't. I can understand that those aren't everybody's cup of tea either. So, I think Jasper Ford kind of borders on being a little kind of precious, if you know what I mean. Yeah, kind of, you know, a little too clever. Yeah, um, and for some people, it can just go over that edge, and then you're just not interested. Yeah, I, I, I'm on the fence about him, I guess. Uh, but but I'm, I might go back to it. So just tell us tell us what else you hate, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> crush us, crush us. No, no. So those those are the two series that I've made people angry, or they're going to tell me that other books are better. But the other book that I'm going to mention here, which is not a a novel at all, but I want to give it a plug because it's a book that I've been reading, is a book called The Hall of Nearly Great. And it was a Kickstarter, but I believe it's available. You can go to hallofnearlygreat.com. It's a collection of essays um, edited by uh, it's a couple of baseball writers. And The Hall of Nearly Great is a series of essays about baseball players who were really good, but not great and not in the Hall of Fame. So it's, it's, it's this celebration of uh, not just the players themselves, but of... Um, so there's just there's some really great writing. There there's a there's an essay about um Don Mattingly that is about the it's really about how terrible a human being George Steinbrenner was and it's I had no idea just how terrible George Steinbrenner was. There there's a fantastic essay about oh god, I can't even remember. There's there's a is it Norm Cash? Yeah, it's Norm Cash by a guy named Matthew Corey. And you may not care anything about Detroit Tigers player Norm Cash, but it is it is such a funny, just incredibly hilarious essay. So, so if you're a baseball fan, I really recommend that you seek out the Hall of Nearly Great. It it, it has surprised me because I bought it kind of on a lark as a part of this Kickstarter project, and it turns out that every one of these essays, which are by you know professional writers in some field or another, are actually um, they can be funny, they can be heartwarming, uh, they can be bizarre, but they're all really good little little essays so baseball fans check it out it's a secret little thing so i've been enjoying that in pieces because they're like 20 essays so you read a couple and then you move on so the hall of nearly great that's it that's what i've been reading that's hmm. so that's it pretty good the rook the rook was good but we mentioned that <laughs> feel like we've already covered the rook you should really uh give the dresden files another, another chance that's what the <laughs> chat room tells me other books are much better I had that. That's what happened with Harry Potter with me. I hated the first book. And everyone was like, oh, you can't stop at the first book because it gets really good in the third book. And I'm like, if I don't like the first book, why am I going to read two more books? Yeah, that's the, it is the tough part with, with series, right? You know, because I do think there are, there are series that you build to something, but it is really hard to sell that if you're, if the first book doesn't really win you over, right? Yeah, you got to entertain me now. I, I'm not, you know, 
I feel ripped off if I read a whole book and I get to the end and it's a to be continued. No, but the second book is really good, right? Well, it's like it's like if you went into history class and it's like, oh, these Romans are really boring. No, but wait, wait until the the empire falls. <laughs> wait for it's it. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be so good. It's gonna be so good. We just give you like two, three thousand years. What should we read next? I guess I guess we should we should talk about the dog stars next, maybe. I, that yeah. seems like low hanging fruit. That seems yeah yeah. So so people should go out and read that and read the Rook if you haven't because we really liked it. True, but you should read the Dog Stars before if you haven't read the Road already. Read Dog Stars first because then you'll enjoy Dog yes, Stars. And yes, and then read the Road and, and then read the Road and you'll be like, you'll, whoa, exactly. that's crazy and depressing and I'm going to kill myself now. <laughs> but it was great. So so read the Dog Stars first because after you read the Road, you won't want to read anything ever again. <laughs> exactly. And read the Rook, the Rook. Yeah, read the Rook. That's it. It won't depress you at all. Yeah, that one, and then that'll bring you back up, right? Yeah, Is that you'll the laugh. Way? You won't cry. No, you won't time. cry. You'll laugh because you'll funny. laugh a lot. Yeah, you'll say, "What are they putting in the water in Australia?" Yeah, G- greatness. Greatness is in the water. What are they putting in the plane? Crash. They're putting planes in the water, and then yes. the author of the book has to write a, a press release about it. A press, exactly. It's, that's how it works in Australia. It's amazing. What a country. What a country. Yes. That's not how they speak in Australia, Scott. What? You're He's never, he doesn't actually know what that is. Anyway, so we've come to the end of this book club, and this was great. And I, I want, I, once again, I'm grateful to Scott McNulty because he reads all the books and then tells us which books to read. And he was right again. I'm, I have a pretty good batting average so far. You do. I'm trying to pretend like I know sports. Yeah, that's good. No, excellent work. Hall of, Hall of nearly great. You can get it right on. You there. really, you really score a lot of goals, Scott. Yeah, with your batting touchdown. Woo! <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to thank my fellow compatriots here in this book club, Dan Morin. Thank you very much for for joining us and for reading the book. My pleasure. I will all the way through. Now I will now now not read the next four books just to just to oh, compensate. Dan. Sorry. No, you got to get back into it. You just said on the podcast you got to read more books. You can't hold me to everything I've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Just you know, books. They're not that. Yeah, long. I, I you, they're them. readable. I do really love books. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm. I don't know. I've I've cheated. I've cheated on them with television too much. Is my oh problem. damn. I know. I've fallen prey to them. It's the most American of pastimes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and of course, Scott McNulty. Thank you as always for controlling uh, everything we do. You are all my puppets. Yep. Yay. We like it, but we're happy puppets. Dance for me, dance. Because we've read, we don't dance. We only read books for you. We're book reading puppets. Read faster. Yeah, all right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, master. We have a lot of books to get through. All right, and thanks to everybody out there who is reading. Uh, And, uh, of course, as always, if you want to see what we're reading next, um, check out our Goodreads group. There's an incomparable Goodreads group, so you can check that out. Um, and because you love the show oh so very much, uh, leave us a nice review on iTunes because that's how we beat down the mean people who say bad things about us. And if you don't like us and you and you don't like the podcast, don't leave a review because we don't want to stop hear. listening. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why why are you yeah, why are you still here? Stop punishing yourself. It's okay. Forgive yourself. We love you. Whatever you did, yeah. to yourself. Unless this is part of like your work release program. <laughs> Have to listen to our podcast for some. The prison libraries assign us. Yes, our tax dollars are going to some strange yeah. things. Listen to this pod. Read a book. Listen to a podcast. Podcast rehabilitation episode. I said podcasts were rehabilitation or therapy, but this is ridiculous. All right. Until next time on the Incomparable Podcast, I'm Jason Snell. Thanks again for listening. 
goodbye. Oh. It's a new, we got a new spoiler. Yeah.